what am I naming my grief today? Who is she? We're going to call her Sally. Today she really wants to watch reruns of Designing Women and then maybe put on some old gospel records after that. And I think Sally would like have some haagen butter pecan ice cream with me because my mother used to love that. And Sally has a big laugh. This is It's Okay That You're Not Okay. And I'm your host, Megan Devine. This week on the show, somebody a lot of you DM'd and emailed me about. Sam Sanders, co-host of the podcast Vibe Check and host of Intuit. Today, Sam and I are talking about grief and love and church and the importance of friends. So many good and important things. Settle in, everybody. All of that is coming up right after this first break. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Before we get started, one quick note. While we cover a lot of emotional relational territory in each and every episode, this show is not a substitute for skilled support with a licensed mental health provider or for professional supervision related to your work. Hey friends. So Sam Sanders has been in the podcast and the radio world for a long time. He was the creator and host of National Public Radio's podcast, It's Been a Minute, so you might have heard him there. You might know him from his 12 years as a reporter for NPR, where he covered electoral politics and was one of the original co-hosts of the NPR Politics podcast. He's won awards as the best radio and podcast host from both the Ambies and the Los Angeles Press Club. You probably know his voice, even if you might not know his name. Now, as I mentioned in the teaser, so many of you sent me the Vibe Check episode in which co-hosts Sam Sanders, Zach Stafford, and Saeed Jones discussed grief. Now, if you haven't heard that conversation, look for Vibe Check wherever you get your podcast so you can hear it, but you definitely don't need to have heard that conversation with Sam and his co-hosts already in order to get into the episode today. This conversation with Sam Sanders has everything you could possibly want in a conversation about grief and love and taking care of your people while also taking care of yourself. We've got the good parts and the not so good parts of church. So we're covering both community building and spiritual bypassing. We've got expressions of grief that include ice cream and designing women marathons. We have got the sheer goodness of men supporting other men in their emotional and relational well-being, which is super important. 
And we've got ongoing relationships with people who died years ago because we know that those relationships never actually die. There's a lot here. You're going to hear Sam say towards the end of the show that he felt fortified by our time together. And I hope you do too. That's the beauty of these conversations, everybody. They feed us. These conversations feed us if we let them, if we make room for them. Now, just as so many people sent me the original Vibe Check episode where Sam and his friends discuss grief, I hope you will share this episode with your friends and with strangers on the internet. It is a great way to open up conversations that feed you and make the whole world better at the same time. Now, speaking of spreading the word and making the world better, you all have been responding to my pleas for reviews of the show. So thank you for that. There have been several new ones lately. I love reading them. Your reviews get people to listen to the show. And if you leave a review for a specific guest, specific episode of the show, I tend to pass those along to my guests. So Alira, thank you for your review of my conversation with Gina Rosero. I passed your message along to Gina so that she could hear what she means to you. So from both of us, thank you. Thank you to everybody who has left a review. If you haven't left a review yet, please do so about the show in general or a specific episode that moved you. All right, on with today's show with the kind, funny, wise, and delightful Sam Sanders. I am so glad to have you here with me today. And I, I have to say that everybody on the team was so excited that we were going to get to chat today. So, you know, you, you have some oh. fans. You have some oh, fans it's an here. Honored to be here. And thank you for doing this work. I think that I've been talking about on my shows the last few weeks is how we, and Americans especially, just don't talk about grief enough. And so for people that do that intentionally, I'm grateful. So thanks for what you do. Absolutely. Yeah, it's neat to see how comfortable might not be the right word, but how how much more comfortable or how much more frequently people are talking about grief. I feel like when I started this work 10 years ago, no one was really talking about it. Yeah. So there yeah. there has been a change. It's it's not quite enough of a change. But before we jump into all that, I mean the yeah. the obvious place for us to start here is is with talking about grief and talking about your your recent episode on Vibe Check discussing your mom's death. Yeah. I would love to start with, could you introduce your mom to us? Yeah. My mother's name is Regina Sanders. She was the second youngest of six, raised in Birmingham, Alabama. She was an elementary school teacher and a middle school vice principal and a Pentecostal church organist and a mother of two. And she was and will remain, I think the most energetically charismatic person I've ever known in my life. I said in vibe check, the thing about my mother was that every room she entered, she won them all over. And when it wasn't even a competition or when there weren't even stakes, you always wanted to find a way to be on her side because her side just seemed more fun. She was a woman who taught me and my brother and so many other people that you can be successful and you can be professional and you can get a lot of shit done, but you can like always find time for laughter and joy and like whimsy. Mm. My mother was like beautifully whimsical. She just, she loved the weird joke. She loved the crash joke. She loved laughing where you shouldn't laugh. And till the very end, she was cracking us all up. So that's her. Yeah. She passed away June 21st. So a little over a month ago. And we miss her dearly. Such a big presence. Now, something that you didn't mention in your description of of who she was and what she did. She she worked as a mortician when you were a kid, right? Or she something sure adjacent did. to that. Yeah. Yeah. This is also what has made dealing with grief over her passing a multifaceted exercise because my family, more than most other families, dealt with death a lot. So my parents met after my mother had finished college in South Texas and was teaching grade school. And she met my father and they had a quick courtship and they'll never admit it, but I think they were pregnant with my brother when she was walking down the aisle. Fine with it. 
But my father had had a multifaceted career. He was trained as a farmer and he had like a master's degree in agriculture from Prairie View A&M University. And for many years, he worked for the state. They have what's called an extension service where a state like Texas basically has farmers on the payroll to help other farmers farm well. And so he was like a master farmer who like taught farmers how to farm good shit. So he did that. But when he left that, he began managing like senior centers and he did some other shit. But when he and my mother got married, he was like, I've always wanted to have a funeral home. This is a very reliable business in black communities because you'll notice black people only bury their loved ones at black funeral homes. It's it's even more segregated than like Sunday morning church in America, the funeral business when it's black, it's black, right? So he was like, I want to do that. And then my mother was like, you know, I kind of always wanted to have a daycare. So they decided when we were young that they were going to have both a funeral home and a daycare, and they did. And I worked one summer in the daycare with the infants, actually two summers. And my brother did more of the funeral home work, but he like would work the funerals like as an usher, driving the car, and I did that for a little bit too. But all through our childhood, we were around death. My parents had to work the funerals. My mother was trained to embalm bodies. We would just like as kids hang out at the funeral home all the time, which meant that like we could run around the funeral home and like play hide and go seek amongst the caskets. And every now and then I would like dare my brother, touch the body, go touch the dead body. We could just like get that close. So it was never weird to me to be around a dead body. And it was never weird for me to think about death, which I realized in adulthood was a special kind of privilege, a special kind of privilege. There's, a lot, there's a, a lot less queasiness about this shit with me. How was grief talked about in your household? Grief was not talked about. Grief was performed. Hmm, tell me about that. A black funeral is an exercise in performance art. And I say that with love and with kindness. But it's a fucking show. Have you, you've, been to, you've been to at least one. Yes. It's a show. It is. It's a show. It's a concert. They go on for hours. It's not just one emotion. It's all of them. So my first experience with grief just as a kid growing up in a black church and as a kid with two black parents who owned a black funeral home was understanding from a very early age that grief emotionally was multifaceted. It was multifaceted. You go into a black funeral, there's moments of sadness, there's moments of humor, there's moments of joy, there's moments of reflection, but it's not just sad, right? You are the kid of parents who own a funeral home you see all sides of the death industry, right? I used to know how much caskets actually cost. Turns out you're all getting scammed. They're not totally. that expensive. Totally. <laughs> you're all getting scammed. <laughs> like truly buy your casket at Costco, like save the money. But I just always Explore had... green burials. Explore green yeah. burials. Okay, well, we'll put go. a little plug in yes. there for that. But yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But I always just had a, I guess, more well-rounded experience or understanding of what grief was and what death was because i saw it through those ways which which was is prismatic is not the word but there was layers to it yeah it's interesting that when i ask you about grief we go to the funeral and the performance the performance aspect of that you know like i hear from so many people who either grew up or are still deeply involved in church communities. And for them, they feel like, wait a second, like we had this outpouring of love and celebration and and wailing and mourning during the funeral. And then a week later, everybody was over it. And I'm still like, my dad just died. I'm in that right now. Can I tell you what I've been telling close friends? Yes. We have the funeral. It is a beautiful service. The church that we attended most of our lives, they really showed up for us and honored my mother with joy and humor and life. And it was wonderful. The grave site was literally 105 degrees because it was a Texas heat wave that week. But like we did it. It was it was a damn good funeral. And I've been to a bunch of funerals. So I appreciate my entire church family for doing that for us. But a week or two later, I started telling my friends, I was like, you know what I wish? I kind of wish she had also been cremated so I would have an excuse to make a trip to toss her ashes somewhere. Mm. I wanted something else to mark the death that was smaller and quieter and more personal. And I've been seeking those moments in the weeks since her passing. So just this past weekend, I just quietly, without taking anybody with me, not even my dog, 
snuck off to San Diego and just walked along the beach for hours for the whole weekend. And it felt like it was getting me to that place that I want to be in. But I still have this weird desire to go somewhere, either alone or with just a few people, to honor her in the way that you would go somewhere to spread a parent's ashes. Isn't that weird? Like, she's in the ground. I know she's in the ground, but I still want that too. That's not weird at all. Nothing you do to honor, explore, and maintain a connection with someone you love is weird. That's the thing that I'm working through right now too. Because even though no one's telling you there's a script on how to grieve, you're kind of always like, well, am I doing it right? Yeah. Am I doing it right? You know, before I talked about my mother's death on VibeCheck, a podcast I host with two of my favorite people in the world, it was like, well, am I allowed to do this? Mm -hmm. Is it okay? What are the rules? And then you think long and hard about it. It's like, there are no rules around grief and you shouldn't have any rules around grief. You got to just live it. But yeah, I'm so glad you raised that point. Like, what are the rules? The rules are you're sad. The rules are you're sad and you got to work through (laughs) it. But the rules are also like, sometimes you're not just sad. You're cracking up over a memory of that awful joke she told in the most inopportune moment. Or sometimes you are, you know, there's just a range. So yes, like not accepting that there's no rule book and just saying this feels right today, I think is the work. It's the work. Yeah, I think the, the challenge here is that we've been sold a rule book oh yeah right we've been sold a rule book with the you know the five stages of grief and then with prolonged grief disorder and then like you know you have six weeks to have your feelings and then you should be back to normal and this whole Mm -hmm. idea that grief ends at the funeral instead of it begins Mm -hmm. at the funeral like there is a set of rules that we've inherited like the fact that we're like shit am i allowed to talk about this mm-hmm. says there is there's a line we we feel like we're not supposed to cross yes. and so much so much of the work and so like so many people sent me your episode on vibe tech exploring grief talking about grief saying we have to talk about this stuff they were like it's happening this is so exciting that people are talking about it and it, and it really is like there there is no cage right we've been sold a yeah. cage but there is no cage and what's yeah. normal in grief is to feel how you feel and express how you express and not know how to do this, yeah. right? Because you've never had to live without your mom before. Yeah. So anything that do you yeah. do is, is like, new that is new. Yeah. 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 Is yeah. new and acceptable. And like the, the only rule book is, I mean, to be poetic about it here, the only rule book is your own heart. That is the thing. Yeah. It's funny thinking about rules. A thing I was thinking about doing last week and I was like, this might not be good for me. I was thinking a lot about the things that my mother loved. And I could always remember movies that she loved because we watched a bunch of movies together. And I remember she loved Still Magnolias. And whenever it came on like TBS in my youth, we would just watch it. Still Magnolias is on, we're watching it. And for a second I was like, oh, that movie's actually about grief. Mm -hmm. Julia Roberts' character dies in that movie. It's very Mm -hmm. painful. Maybe watching that would like help me. And then I was like, no, Sam, maybe it won't. Maybe this Hollywood Hollywood version of death and grief is the opposite of what you need. Because is watching this going to make you think that you need to perform your grief in a still Magnolias kind of way? Mm. So I haven't watched it yet. I might. Yeah. I think if I do, I'll watch it with a critical lens, not, not a lens through which to inform myself. But yeah, there are rule books everywhere. There really, really are. And I like, this is all an experiment. Right, mm-hmm. like you don't know. You think it might be a great idea, or maybe a caution to watch Steel Magnolias. So you turn on Steel Magnolias and you check in with yourself, and you're like, "How's this feeling to me? Yeah. This is actually not feeling good. So I'm going to turn this yeah. off. This actually feels different than I expected. Let me explore this." Right, like, yeah, it's all an experiment. Yeah, and relative. Exactly. On one day, Steel Magnolias might be the best thing ever. And you might want to be like, let's throw a Steel Magnolias party because that sounds mm-hmm. fascinating. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I haven't done this before. But there there yeah. really is so much. Like I think like I think one of the reasons that we try to put so many rules around grief is we don't like the chaos. We don't like yes. not knowing. We don't like not knowing the answer. And it's like we're yeah. supposed to keep this whole buttoned up thing around all the parts of being human and it's just it's weird yeah like the thing that we know the least about is what happens to us after we die Mm -hmm. some people think they know some people make up stories to feel good about it 
we don't fucking know. Yeah. So of course, in the absence of knowledge of what happens to your loved one or yourself after this death, of course, it's like human nature to want to put rules and norms around it to give this thing some semblance of order. So I get it. But yeah, I think like, can we live our grief with the same amount of openness that death itself is? Yeah. Death is an extreme openness because you actually don't fucking know. I don't know where my mother is. I don't know if she's looking at me. I don't know if she's like, why the fuck are you talking about me? I don't know. (laughs) But I can still love her and her memory and the I don't know of it all. And so it's like, how can I take that same okay with the I don't know that? No. Take that same feeling and apply it to how I'm living out my grief. Yes. I love that you brought up the afterlife and our ideas about that. I think one of the things that happens for so many people, no matter what the spiritual practice is or what their religious tradition is, a lot of people feel like they get this shaming Mm-hmm. from their community like don't be sad your mother's with jesus don't be mm-hmm. sad it's all an illusion she's in a better place she's in- i don't know are you fucking sure are really? you f- where, are where we sure about this what's right. the zip code you tell yeah. me where is she exactly you know and it's, it really is this do you know that term spiritual bypassing no tell me so spiritual bypassing right where we use religious ideas spiritual ideas to bypass the human condition and and that's what's happening when you're saying something Mm. like you know your your mother wouldn't wouldn't want you to be sad she's in her better place she's gone to jesus like whether or not all of that stuff is true for the person like not relevant in this moment because right now i am missing her here right it doesn't matter it doesn't matter that there is something after this Mm-hmm. If we're using that as a way to invalidate the person who's right in front of us and the way that they're feeling and the way that we might care for them, right? So for a lot of people in religious communities, they're like, I can't I can't lean on my church community the way that I used to because all they want to do is see me happy that my loved one is reunited with the life force. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel that. And I can be more than one thing. I can be really happy that my person's body and spirit has rejoined the oneness and really fucking want them still here. Right. Both of the like you contain multitudes. Like you can you can have all of these feelings at once and they're all valid. Yeah. And this is the thing and I and I will say I was a church kid. I love my church experience. Mm -hmm. I have left the church, but I I still think I believe in God. But yeah, I think sometimes our faith traditions are asking us or are giving us distraction. Sometimes it's just distraction. It's saying, I get it. You're having some really negative feelings around this death right now, but don't think of those negative feelings. Think of these positive feelings. Think about heaven. Isn't that cool? And on the face, you're like, isn't that such a nice offering for them to to give to me? But it's not getting rid of the negative emotions. It's just distracting you from them temporarily. They're still there. And they're there until they're gone. And I think like... I would love for our faith traditions to have a better language at helping us here in this world sit with our feelings. I would love to know that churches are doing the thing where they're telling you about heaven if that makes you feel good, but also saying to you very clearly and forthrightly, every emotion you feel is allowed and is in fact holy because God made them all. That's what I wanna hear. All of it's valid. And I want to, and this is not a theology conversation because I really don't know where I stand, but I, 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 if I believe in a, a higher power, a God, a Jesus, whatever, I believe that like that higher power is always telling us that pretty much everything about us is okay because we were made in that higher power's image. And if I'm feeling sad today and sadness is in me, it is holy. It's holy. And how can I respect it? And not just distract myself by thinking about who my mother is playing the tambourine with in heaven. You know? (laughs) That's right. And also this idea that there are negative emotions and positive emotions. They're just emotions. an on or off. I love that you just called them all holy. And I'm with you on that one. There is no part of the human experience that is not holy. It doesn't mean that some people aren't jerks and that there's like not bad behavior. That's not what we're talking about. But we're talking about like the way that you feel 
is the way that you feel and can we find a way to surround that with love and curiosity and support and connection instead of trying to shove people mm-hmm. out of what they feel by saying they're doing it wrong or this is the right way to be or get out of this and like i think this is why these conversations are so important because we have inherited those rules around mm-hmm goodness and badness, positive and yes. negative, what you're supposed to be doing and what you're not supposed to be doing and how do you honor the debt? Like, stop, right? Like, let's stop. just be yeah. in this moment, in yeah. this humanness that we're having and see each other. How yeah. rad would that be? Yeah. Well, and how can we respect these emotions as multifaceted beings in and of themselves? Ourselves. Mm. What if a good thought exercise is to even personify our grief and talk to it? I love that you just said that because there's a course that I've been running for like 10 years now called Writing Your Grief. And one mm. of the prompts in there is personifying your grief. So it's this whole like creative wow. prompt around can you, if, if grief has a voice, if grief is a character, mm-hmm. how does it move? What does it wear? How does it speak? Does it speak? If it has a yeah. voice, let it like let's listen. Yeah. I love that. So I love that you just brought that up because yeah. there's just like a nice little Yeah. Well now I'm thinking, like, what am I naming my grief today? Yeah. Who is she? We're gonna call her Sally. Today she really wants to watch reruns of Designing Women and then maybe put on some old gospel records after that. And I think Sally would like have some Hagendash butter pecan ice cream with me because my mother used to love that. And Sally has a big laugh. That's today for grief. See, I love her. I love her too. Oh my goodness. She's great. Ooh, Sally. Come on in the front door, Sally. (laughs) (laughs) We have got the ice cream getting to the proper thawed texture as Uh we speak. I Uh love this. And this is is what becomes available when you throw out the inherited rule book. Yeah, well, and throwing out the inherited rule book allows me to just like see things that I once thought were static as multifaceted. One of the things I talked about in the Vibe Check episode with Zach and Saeed was that like we are taught so much from an early age that grief itself is an exercise in scarcity and a practice in a scarcity mindset. But what if grief is abundance? I've been trying to look for in the ways since my mother has died in what ways my grief over her and grieving her has expanded my world. So much of our default thought about grief is that like, it sucks, it's sad, we lost something. But my grief that I've been experiencing since my mother passed away has been abundant in so many ways. When people ask me how I'm feeling now, I say, my mother died a few weeks ago, it's kind of weird. And then you know what? They tell me their grief story. They tell me about someone who died. They tell me about a loved one. And that story and that sharing is abundance. It's a new connection, right? I was in the bank cashing out the CD that we had tucked away to cover my mother's funeral expenses. And nice bank lady was like, so what are you using this for? And they expect like a down payment for a house, a car, my kid's going to college. And I was like, for my mother's funeral. And then we just talk for 20 minutes in the bank office. And by the end, she's crying and I'm crying. And I know all about her aunt something. Mm -hmm. That's abundance, right? So how can I see grief not just as scarcity, but as abundance? Saeed Jones on the podcast said one of the phrases he likes to use, and he's heard from someone else, is that we are not just grieving. We are anointed with grief. Mm -hmm. I loved that phrase from him. Yeah, and if you look at anointing in the biblical sense, anytime any character in the Bible had a special anointing, it meant that they had a gift that had to be shared. You weren't making full and good use of your anointing unless you were using it to help and share with other people. And so on some days, not all days, thinking about grief in that way helps me. It's abundance. It's building community. It's sharing stories. It's bigger, it's not just scarcity. I love that we laid that down, that idea that grief can be an anointing and grief is abundance. We lay that down after our conversation about none of this is about talking you out of your grief. I think sometimes we can like Mm -hmm. conflate abundance with celebration and then we're right back to where we started again with like, hold on, 
positive vibes only. And mm-hmm. if it's abundance, it's a celebration. And we're only going to yeah. talk like we can like derail that so quickly. Yes. Yes. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next-day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, before we get back to my conversation with Sam Sanders, you know how Sam created that character for his grief, the glorious Sally who eats butter pecan ice cream and watches a marathon of designing women? I love how that unfolded. That was that was completely unscripted, everybody. The Writing Your Grief course that I mentioned in that part of the show is truly one of the best things I've ever created. And it includes that prompt on personifying grief that Sam ran with to find the voice of Sally. So if you want to explore your grief in creative and truly helpful ways, check it out. Writing Your Grief, you can find it at refugeingrief.com backslash W-Y-G, which is for Writing Your Grief, or click the link in the show notes. All right, everybody, back to my conversation with co-host of Vibe Check, Sam Sanders. What I love in that story about the, your conversation with the with the woman at the bank, like I remember when I was first, when we were first shopping my book around to publishing houses, people were like, this is so great. It's so necessary. It's so needed. But nobody wants to talk about grief, so we pass. And I'm like, you know, nobody ever wants to talk about grief if you talk about it as this finite thing that if you do the steps correctly you're over it and you never talk about it again nobody wants to talk about that that. but if you open up opportunities for people to tell the real truth about their grief Mm -hmm. and connect in that without Mm -hmm. being hijacked or bypassed or talked Mm -hmm. out of it or cheered up or any Mm -hmm. of those things then everybody wants to talk about it and I, i think you know this is something that we see coming out of that vibe check episode is that when you talk about grief in unbounded ways, not as a measure of psychological health as to how quickly you can snap back to normal and be positive. Mm -hmm. But when you talk about it like a human, everybody wants in on that conversation. Yes. Yeah. Well, and like that was the least scripted and pre-planned episode of Vibe Check we've ever taped. Mm. So one of the EPs of the show is a dear friend of mine and he lives like a mile down the street. Just hanging out with him. We both have dogs. We walk our dogs together sometimes. We're talking about life or whatever. And I was like, Brandon, hear me out. All I want to talk about right now is my mother's death. And Vibe Check is a show where the three of us talk about our feelings. Would it be weird to do that? He's like, do it. Then we tell the rest of the team, and they're just like, do it. And then we're all like, well, just stop there. We're not going to script this. We're not going to research this. We're not going to have bulleted talking points and try to stick a certain landing. We're just going to talk about it. So everything in that episode was off the cuff. 
And I think that is what our grief conversations maybe need more of. I'm over 12 steps for anything. I'm over a playbook or a grief 101 for dummies. I need to hear myself think out loud about this and allow others to hear that too so that they know that they can do it as well. And that's what I think the episode accomplished. It was a goal, you know? Yeah. And I I think we've covered this a lot already, but like one of the things that you said in that episode was like, this is so important because I feel like there's shame around grief. And I want to pull one thing in just to make sure that he's mentioned. So your dad died when you were a kid. 18. Yeah. 18. Interesting intersection. So my partner died the day before his son's 18th birthday. So like this, like loss of your dad Mm -hmm. at this, like really pivotal, just graduating from high school, just turned 18, all of this stuff. And then here is this person who disappears. Mm -hmm. Right. So I wanted, I wanted to bring him into, into our sphere, into our conversation. And also when you talked in the, in the vibe check episode about we need to be able to talk about this without shame. Mm-hmm. It made me curious as to how have you experienced that shame previously and what was it like being a young man, losing your dad and navigating all of those things that are inherent in being a young adult, a young yeah. adult black man in this culture? Yeah. I guess my question in all of that soup is like, where did you intersect with that shame that you mention in this episode? It was compounded, and I'll tell you why. But first I'll say, like, the circumstances of his death, just, it was wild. So my father died December 15th, 2002. So winter of 2002. I had finished high school the first week of June in 2002. I had graduated. I was set to go off to California to college. I ended up not going because my mother had her stroke, which paralyzed her in September of that year, 2002. And then right after that, my father was hospitalized with end-stage kidney failure, which would kill him by the time we got to December of that year. So basically, June I graduate, September my mother's paralyzed, my father's already in the hospital, and by December he dies. I deferred a year from college just to take care of them, and then I ended up staying in San Antonio to go to undergrad to care for my mother. But over the course of that year before my father died, that summer to fall, it was probably the most depressing time in my life. I'll never forget my Aunt Alta, my mother's sister. She and I had Thanksgiving dinner in the hospital cafeteria. And my mother was on one floor of that hospital and my father was on another. And this is after I had turned down the chance to go to Stanford to be there with them. After I had, as in, 18 year old had to close down the family businesses. And I was just like, I don't see how things get worse than this, right? So I experienced the loss of my father in just more of a low point in life period. You know, my mother died last month, but my life outside of that is pretty good. I like my two jobs. I just bought a house. I'm loving LA, right? Like life was okay. So that was the biggest difference from the start. But I also think I had a lot more shame around grieving my father, and it was all compounded by being closeted at that moment in time. I really didn't start to come out until my mid-20s, and my father died not knowing that I was gay, or I hadn't told him that I'm gay. Mm -hmm. I think he knew, and there were moments, especially when in his last several months of life when I was his primary caregiver, where I could just see in his eyes that he knew You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, But we never had mm -hmm. that conversation. And so I think had I been out of the closet, the way that I dealt with my grief and talked about my grief, a big part of it would have been a conversation about how to make peace with knowing that I hadn't come out to him before he died. Because I wasn't out, I just didn't have that conversation with anybody, not even myself. Mm. So my grief, the totality of my grief was not truncated. What's the word I'm looking for? I couldn't have all of the grief conversations I wanted to have around my father's death because I wasn't out of the closet. And so I did not grieve as holistically or as fully as I'm able to grieve now with my mother's death, right? I also think that life was just in such disarray. I was just trying to keep my head above water 
and really try to not think about grieving. I was still taking care of my mother, who was bedridden. I was still figuring out if I might go to college or not. I was still figuring out how to live as an 18-year-old with no functioning parents. My father had died. My mother was there, but she couldn't be a parent to me anymore. So all of a sudden, I'm 18, not in school. One parent is dead. I'm taking care of the other. There's really no supervision. My church was there to support, but they weren't going to tell me what to do. So I was just trying to figure out how to make sense of this very new life that was thrust upon me. And I think making sense of that meant that like, I maybe didn't give myself enough time to just live grief holistically. Now, at 38, with my mother passing, one, she had been sick and bedridden for 20 years, so we knew it was going to happen at some point. I don't think we expected it to happen now because she had lived 20 years. I th- we all thought she was going to live to be like 85, just bedridden. So I wasn't ready for it, but I knew that death was coming. But I also think that I'm in a place in my life where things feel more settled and I'm able to just take more time to think about my grief. The fact that last weekend I drove down to San Diego to spend a weekend on the beach and think about grief, that was a luxury I was not able to afford myself when I was 18. So my life is more comfortable now, which means I have more space to just let the grief be, if that makes sense. But -hmm. also, so much of these conversations are easier because I can talk about being gay, having a mother, and growing up in a church that was anti-gay until it kind of wasn't, and having a mother where I think the last person in my life close to me who accepted that I'm I'm actually gay was my mother. And -hmm. I don't think it clicked to her until I brought a man home for Thanksgiving two years ago. So a lot of my grief is working through that. My mother is the love of my life. I don't think she actually accepted the, the totality of my life until the end of hers. What the fuck is that about? Mm-hmm. But even being able to say that that's a part of the conversation, I couldn't do that when I was 18 and my father died. Sorry, that was a very long answer. <laughs> I love that answer because this this is this is the reality here. Like we don't grieve in a vacuum. We don't mm-hmm. love in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. There are cultural issues. There are communal issues there are Mm -hmm. interpersonal issues and they all have to do with how fully are we allowed to know ourselves and how fully are we allowed to let other people know us and that's not always an easy answer right it's not Mm -hmm. always safe to be seen as who you are or to be loved as who you are and sometimes the people we love aren't capable of loving the totality of your life the way that you just said right and there's there's just so much to grieve in all of that there's mm-hmm. so much to grieve in all of that. Like it's just like it's ridiculous to me that we think that grief is this siloed thing that happens at this very specific time when a person dies and it's over really quickly. Like, babe, grief is like the backdrop of the world, right? Mm-hmm. It is everywhere. Mm-hmm. And until we make space for that and open conversations about that, then we're not gonna get the full abundance that we're longing for. Yeah, well, and I think, you know, think, thinking more on, like, the difference between grieving my father and my mother, and I talked about this a little bit on Vibe Check, but in a Twitter thread a few months ago, I want to say, well, actually a few weeks ago, around Father's Day, one of the things I had to make peace with allowing myself to do was some of the world building we do around dead loved ones. My father was a very present father. He was always there, and because he, he actually was the parent who did like pick up and drop off for everything. So every band practice, every meet, every whatever, my dad was the one there. He was a constant in our lives. But like many straight male fathers, he was physically present and emotionally distant. You know, they're very good at that, those men. And so I found myself after his death, continuing to hold on to his, hold on to his memory in my heart and in my mind. But I made his memory this character that grew emotions. And in the 21 years that he's been gone, I felt the memory of my father become a fully formed character who changes and lives and breathes. And there's some moments in my life where I feel like he and I are like throwing back cocktails and shit talking. There are some moments in my life where he is my champion or my hero, or there's some moments in life where he is like the prankster, but like, the memory of my father has become its own being 
that is almost what I need him to be when I need it. And I used to get mad at myself for building him up in that way in my heart and in my mind. But now I'm kind of like, it's allowed. It's my dad and it's my mind and this helps. And so part of this whole idea of like grief as abundance, some of that abundance is like, you get to do with your dead loved one's memory whatever you need to do with it. And you get to build that world. And that actually has been so cool. And my father's memory has been able to sustain me and parent me in ways that my father, when he was here, might not have been able to do. So I like it. (laughs) I love it. I love, and I love what you just said there, that like whatever you grow that relationship into or imagine into for that relationship, like that is yours. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like staking this claim to your own life. Mm-hmm. Honestly, every conversation that I've had for the last like year, like we always come back to agency and sovereignty, right? Like mm. this is your life. Yes, your heart, your mind, your loved exactly. one, your life. Yes. Yeah. And that other people get to have theirs as well. And that other people's love, life, grief, all of these things are not a threat to yours. Exactly. You get to love as you love and explore as you explore and grieve as you grieve. And can we acknowledge that in each other and share that with each other and not see it as one of you is doing it right and one of you is doing it wrong? And acknowledge it's just going to be different. You know, my brother and I are 10 months apart in age. Our parents literally had us back to back. And I took care of my mother for about the first five years after she had her stroke. And my brother took care of her the last five years. And the last five years or so, she had dementia. So his experience caring for her was different than my experience caring for her. And so I know that the way she lives in his head after she's gone is going to be different than what it was for me. That's okay, right? Like, that's okay. And now it's like, you know, I'm still just weeks out from her death. And I don't think her memory has come back to me in the way my father's has yet. But I'm waiting for it to show up. I'm like, all right, Regina, when you come back into my heart and my mind in this like new form, post-death form for, for, just for me, what you going to be like? I'm excited to see if that makes sense. Mm. I'm excited to see. Yeah. I'm yeah. excited to see what the character of my dead mother becomes in me and how I talk to that. <laughs> I love that. I could talk to you for hours, but I want to, I want to like at least start turning in the direction okay. of the door. Yeah. So there, there are two questions that I want to get into. So thinking about that difference between being able to tell yourself the whole truth before you can tell others the whole truth and the difference between the aftermath of your dad's death and the aftermath of your mom's death like one of the things that i've seen in my inbox in my comments in my dms stemming from your episode is how thankful people are that a bunch of men are sitting down and having this conversation right that there is something so special to hear any people a group of people but specifically a group of men come together and really make space for each other and listen to each other and hear each other and this isn't something that comes out of the blue right like this like my mom died and i decided to start having deep vulnerable conversations with people in my life that's that doesn't just arrive yeah it's reminding me of when i was getting ready for our time here together i remember reading about an incident with your male friends in grad school I don't know if it was grad school or undergrad, where it was an interview I read with you a while ago where you were talking about you hadn't come out yet and your straight male friends were like, dude, stop hurting yourself by pretending to be something else. Please, please be who you are. Yeah, this was the thing. It's like one of the the biggest catalysts in my coming out journey was not gay people being like, come out, girl. It was my straight friends being like, we already know when we see you struggling. What the hell? That's what it was. Like, that was a catalyst. And, and, and like, yeah, my dear friend Desmond Surratt, love him dearly, sat me down well after midnight in an IHOP in Harvard Square. It was like, <laughs> we're here for you, dude. Like, we know. Yeah, yeah. 
Anyway, I, I for sure cut you off. Go ahead, finish your thought. No, you didn't. I was hoping okay. you would pick that up and, and tell that story a little bit. But there's there's something in there and then also sort of looking at your career and being known as a person who, um, actually somebody writing about your career with NPR, somebody wrote, surfacing uncommon pathways for emotional sincerity has long been the object of Sanders' work. Oh. Isn't that sweet? I, I love really this. I appreciate that. So there's this connection there or this sort of call and response that I saw as I was learning about you and, and reading what you've said about yourself and what others have said about you and listening mm-hmm. to you, obviously, that there's this long-standing, deeply rooted interest in what is below the surface. Yeah. And how do we connect there and how do we talk about that? And I, I wonder if that, that assessment that that person wrote, surfacing uncommon pathways for emotional sincerity has long been the object of Sanders' work, does that feel accurate and if so like how how do you see that showing up in not just your grief and this is a super long complicated question apologies welcome to my brain but like if it does feel accurate how does that relate not just to your grief but the way that you are connecting with the people in your life through that vulnerability, depth, and honesty. That is the longest, most convoluted question oh, ever in the world. It. And if you heard a real question in there, let me know. Yeah. I think I, I think the question is like, how'd you get cool with talking about feelings? And talking about feelings a lot and in different ways. I talk about f- feelings as they relate to entertainment and popular culture. When I covered politics, I talked about the way our emotions inform our political lives. When I was a news reporter, a lot of the work was like, this thing just happened. How do people feel about it? I've always liked looking at the journalism I do through the lens of emotion. Like stories are facts and figures and numbers and whatever, but they're also stories about how people feel and how they feel always drives the action for any news story. So that's always undergird how I approach like my professional work. And then I think personally maybe part of why I'm so eager to have these kind of conversations in adulthood is because in childhood I just really didn't have them I was surrounded by a loving family and a loving church and people who cared for me but there were two things that kept me from being truly emotionally honest as a kid I was gay in South Texas and very closeted and two I had a really bad stutter it was very hard for me to talk for a very long time I don't think I really worked through it fully until until my 20s. So I remember this journey and aching to be better able to express myself as a kid and say all these things I wanted to say. I think part of why I gravitated to music and playing the saxophone was because that was a way that I could express something without a stutter on it, right? So I think that's the second reason why I'm so into having these kind of conversations as a grown-up. I'm one of those people who like loves talking to strangers. I love it. I'm in a long line waiting for something. Oh, we're talking. We're talking. I'm at the CVS. We're talking. Don't put me in an Uber where the ride is longer than half an hour. Because by the end, I'm walking out the car being like, I think it's all going to work out. You're going to get custody. Keep me posted on Blair. Like, I get in there. Right. Exactly. And I think all of that is, is like from this, it's like, feeding and nurturing this child who, for a few reasons, just didn't get to have all the conversations he needed to have as a kid. Mm -hmm. So now I probably over-conversate and have found ways to get paid (laughs) to conversate, which isn't even a real word, but I like it, conversate. But yeah, I think that's part of it. I love the play on over-conversate and over-compensate. Love that. But this is also like medicinal time travel, Mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, yeah. here is my life, and it is an answer to what I longed for as a child. Like, we're always yeah. doing that. Yeah. I, yeah. I tell folks that Vibe Check, which is on purpose a show hosted by three black gay men, I tell folks Vibe Check is having the podcasts and cultivating the friendships that I wish I could have had as a young queer black kid in South Texas. I didn't have that. I didn't have a Saeed and Zach when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to have those friends as a kid. I get to have them now as an adult. And my favorite letters we get from listeners are younger queer folks saying, listening to y'all is like hearing my gay elders. 
And yes. I'm like, elder, sure, all of yeah. whatever. But <laughs> take it. <laughs> yeah. If we are modeling something that people don't get enough of, especially queer folks, let me do that. I love doing that. I love doing exactly. that. Exactly. I mean, this is the whole reason for this podcast, right? Is to have the conversations that we long to have, that we need to have, mm-hmm. personally, interpersonally, mm-hmm. collectively, to give people conversation starters, to give them something to live into, to give them yes. something that says it is okay to do this. Yes. Well, it's yeah. it's like, I mean, not to totally overuse the most overused quote of all time, which is incorrectly attributed to Nelson Mandela, but that Marianne Williamson quote, you know, when I let my sh- light shine, it shines brighter on you, whatever. It's so, it feels corny, but it's true. Mm. Modeling this kind of behavior helps other people start doing it themselves. Modeling a grief conversation, modeling a mature and friendly conversation between queer men, between black men, that allows other people and inspires them to do it themselves. And if just one person leaves this episode or that vibe check episode and says to themselves, I wanna talk about grief with a loved one today. All of it was worth it. All of it was worth it. That was actually the point. Yeah, that is a great setup for our closing question. Okay. Knowing what you know Mm -hmm. and living what you have lived, what does hope look like for you today? Hope looks like my dog. Mm, Lay it on me. My dog Zora is the sweetest dog ever, an old, lovely pit bull. She has been with me through every major milestone of my last 12 years. She's moved across the country with me twice. She was in the room when I introduced my mother to my boyfriend and she finally like got it that I was like actually gay like forever. Zora was with me and with my Aunt Paulette as she died of cancer. She has been in the room and in the space as I've navigated friendships and relationships. She's just been there for it all. She has been the forest Gump of my life, just kind of like always there for all the big moments. And when I see her, I see the entirety of what she's lived with me. And I also see an ending coming. She will die. She is old. She's grayer this year than she was last year. She's on thyroid medication. She's on arthritis medication. She's had in the last six months, two major surgeries. She will die. And what I get to do every day with Zora the dog is make peace with that juxtaposition. I've lived a whole life with her and it feels so big and I know she's going to die. What do you do in the face of that? Like, we know that everything we love will leave us, but a dog is a very present reminder of that. And what do we do when we have a dog in our lives, even knowing that they're gonna leave us before we want them to? We love them even harder. I love her more every day. I love her more today. Sorry, I'm crying. With you. I love her more today with her scars and her arthritis and her crotchety old bones. And I have to pick her up and get her in the bed now. And I love her more today than when she was a little bitty puppy. Isn't that hope? That's hope, you know? So like for me, it's like, that is hope. Knowing all of this will end and loving it anyway. You got me, I'm crying. My dog is hope. My dog is hope. She will leave me, and so what? I still love her. I love that. Okay. God damn. I didn't think it was going to be the dog that set me off. (laughs) Right? It's always the dog. Yeah. I can do such a good emotional callus to most things, but the second it's a dog. I mean, I mean, every time. Yeah. Every Every time. Every single time. All right. Thank you so much for being here, for both being on this show, for being on your shows, and for being in the world in all the ways that you are in the world. I'm so glad you're here. This was an honor and a pleasure. Thank you for the work you do. I feel fortified after this conversation. Mm. Thank you for it. Thank you. 
All right, we are going to link to Vibe Check in the show notes, obviously. Anything else you want people to know about or places they can look for you or any other, you know, missions? I'm on social channels at Sam Sanders. Um, my other show for Vulture is not really in the spirit of the Vibe Check conversation or your show, but it is a pop culture podcast I host. Um, so if you wanted to mention it, cool, but like no need to, you know, different worlds. But yeah, that's it. All right. Everybody, stay tuned for your questions to carry with you. I'm going to go compose myself. We'll be right back. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Each week, I leave you with some questions to carry with you until we meet again. Okay, one thing that really struck me in this conversation was how much fun it was. There are a lot of ways to be playful, even when you're talking about difficult things, right? Playfulness is healing. I think you learn a lot about who you are and what you need when you allow yourself to be freed from that cage and play a little bit, right? I also really liked how Sam looks back on his grief soon after his dad died and sees it in context. What was available to him then is different than what's available to him now. And one way of grieving, one context isn't more correct than the other, right? There's such kindness and such honoring in that view of the past self and the current self. So maybe that's something you might play with in your own life. Who were you back then? And what kind of emotional life or emotional expression was available to you? And who are you now, today, knowing what you know and what is available to you at this time? I think that kind of respectful questioning or curiosity, I think that can apply to any pivotal part of our lives, not just death. Yeah? How about you? What stuck with you from this conversation? Everybody's going to take something different from the show, but I do hope you found something to hold on to. If you want to tell me how today's show felt for you or you have thoughts on what we covered, let me know. Tag at Refuge Grief on all the social platforms so I can hear how this conversation affected you. And while you're at it, you could also tag at Sam Sanders. Let him know how his story affected you. Spread your reflections around. <laughs> Follow the show at It's Okay Pod on TikTok and Refuge and Grief everywhere else to see video clips from the show and use the hashtag It's Okay Pod on all the platforms so not only I can find you, but others can too. None of us are entirely okay and it's time we start talking about that together. Yeah? It's okay that you're not okay. You're in good company. 
That's it for this week. Remember to subscribe to the show, leave a review as I requested earlier. I love to read your reviews. I love to pass them along to our guests too. Coming up next week on the show, Tembe Locke, author of the book From Scratch and the very, very popular Netflix show by the same name and just a lovely all-around human being. Follow It's Okay on your favorite platform so you do not miss an episode. It's Okay That You're Not Okay, the podcast is written and produced by me, Megan Devine. Executive producer is Amy Brown, co-produced by Elizabeth Fazio, with logistical and social media support from Micah. Post-production and editing by Houston Tilly, music provided by Wavecrush, and very quiet background noise provided by Luna, gently pawing at me to go get her some snacks. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today.